Hello again, everyone. This is Gary Morgenstein for Coastal Communist, along with my partner in radio crime, R.C. Samo. How you doing, Gary? Good to always uh, have our moments of disputes and fun. Yes, it is. I mean, that's what makes the world go around. Just as Winston Churchill said, democracy is the worst form of government except for all the others. Right. Although lately I'm wondering if that's the case anymore. So <laughs> I'm beginning to have my doubts. But before we get into politics... Mm -hmm. Last week, you and I just got started on an offline debate that we've been having. Yes. Much to my dismay, <laughs> where, where you said that um, Chris Jericho mm -hmm. was, a, was a better wrestler. Was um, Now, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so okay. I'm going to let you go. But my point, better wrestler than Ric Flair. So I'm going to let yes. you try to explain this delusion of yours. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Well, according to my delusion, in air quotes, is the reason why Chris Jericho has surpassed Ric Flair is that Jericho is able to wrestle all three North American styles of Mexican-American and Canadian. He can wrestle Japanese style, which he's proven his strong style skills in New Japan. Uh, you know, his Lucha Libre skills are phenomenal. Uh, he kayfabed everybody when it came to All In better than anyone could have done in the past decade by confirming that he would not be there because he performed two concerts with Fozzie that night. But in between sets, flew up from Missouri to Chicago, disguised himself as Pentagon Jr., takes out Kenny Omega, um, promotes his cruise, and from there, hops back up on a plane in full Pentagon makeup, goes back to the next show, and performs with his band yet again. Well, that's impressive. Quite I'm not impressive. saying that. I'm not saying that's not impressive. When I talk about wrestling, I okay. think with wrestling, it's more than other athlete, athletics. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just what you do on the field. It's kind of the impact you have on the on the sport itself. Okay. And I think Ric Flair was such a transcendent personality, in addition to being a, a phenomenal wrestler. I mean, I think he probably wrestled far more... Um, championship level matches than say Hulk Hogan, mm -hmm. who is of course, you know, considered the icon of the nineteen eighties. And I, I think that's also important, the impact he had on his sport. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? I think influential and more impactful in even transcending wrestling, I will give you Ric Flair. Yes. Yeah. You know, so the point the NFL locker rooms are stealing his promos of kiss stealing, wheeling dealing, son of a gun. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, and far more in-depth stuff, you know, these alligator shoes costing $3,000 or whatever, as New York life goes by behind you. Yes. <laughs> as long as it doesn't stop in front of my building is all I care. Yes. <laughs> what, what? Apologies to everyone out there, but this is life. Yes. In Brooklyn. Yes. Welcome to an urban dwelling. Yes. Yeah. What do they call them? Brownstones? Is that is that what you yes, live in? Well, okay. I, I, I live in one of those old-fashioned... Brooklyn apartment buildings, it's like a castle. Right. It's from the 1920s. Where you have to take a wrench and beat the radiator if it starts overheating too much? No, no, <laughs> we get too much heat. Oh, okay. I took the radiator out of the bedroom because I came home a few years ago. Uh -huh. And I just, when I moved in, this is like maybe eight, nine years ago, and the radiator was on and there, it looked like um, the, the Amazon jungle. Wow. There was cloud cover. It uh -huh. was so humid. And I said, okay, I told, I asked the super, because mm -hmm. that's what we have in our apartment buildings, the mm -hmm. super. I said, you know, you, you just please take it out. Okay. And the pipe in the corner gives off enough heat. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, we don't have the cold um, winters anymore. Right. I mean, you know, we have them, 
but it's not like, you know, so you throw an extra blanket on. I, I prefer mm-hmm. the cold weather anyway. I know you live in L.A., and I just don't understand that. But there's a lot of, like, I don't understand. All right, so let me go back to Ric Flair a sure. second. Okay. Because there's certain, there's the morality of mm-hmm. what he did of being a heel. Right. And I think that that is very important in the old school mythology, mm-hmm. which I think is, is, is much different than it is today. I don't think, I mean, we really don't have the rule breakers who we had in olden times. Uh, you know, a Fritz von Erich, for example. Now, you you grew up with Fritz von Erich. Well, I grew up with Kerry uh, von Erich and Kevin von Erich. And Fritz von Erich, which I never understood how in the 50s he got away with playing a Nazi character and then somehow transcended that, becomes a face, and him and his family become the greatest wrestling enterprise with world-class championship wrestling in all of Texas. Well, it could be that no one really cared. Mm-hmm. There was, <laughs> as long as, you know, his, um, he had some innocence, like, well, I was following orders, mm-hmm. or I really didn't believe in the Nazis. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as they didn't, that's what we learned in the, I, I, as some of you out there might know, I, um, I used to be a wrestling journalist and I worked for PWI. I was part of the team that launched PWI, worked for Inside Wrestling and the wrestler along with the greats like uh, Bill Apter and, and Stu Sachs and Steve Farhood. And Matt Brock, who we're hoping to get on the show. Matt Brock, by the way, is living in seclusion. He's getting on in years. I'm one of the few people he talks to. He lives out somewhere in the Southwest. I can't, you know, he'd kill me if I divulge exactly where. But this was, you know, the golden age Mm -hmm. of of wrestling journalism. And as long as you pushed it beyond a certain line, it was okay. So we would not have been able to write stories or the wrestling could not have had um, Fritz von Erich beating up Jews in the ring. Right. That might have been too much for anyone. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you could lean into the evil of it. Right. And I think that now in wrestling, we don't have that hard evil. No, everyone is a gray. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And and that takes something away Mm -hmm. from the sport, I think. I I remember doing a story... um, and uh, Captain Lou Albano. I, I loved Bruno Sammartino. Mm-hmm. To me, he was the Joe DiMaggio of wrestling. He had that quiet dignity. The king of and, the Northeast, definitely. Yes, exactly. He's a class act. And so Captain Lou writes an article back in the 80s saying um, that Bruno Sammartino is a fraud, mm-hmm. that Bruno is really not a nice guy. And, you know, he was being fed info- information from Larry Zabisco, who turned on Bruno. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty, that sent shockwaves. Mm-hmm. Like, wait a minute, Bruno Sammartino is not a good guy? How could that possibly be? Could you have that situation today? Um, no, because Bruno was the Italian hero of the Northwest, uh, Northeast. You know, he was not only the proletariat, but he was the voice of the immigrant population. Right. You know, so when you had Bruno and then you had... Um, uh, who succeeded him? Perez? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, you had the Puerto Rican champion, you had the Italian champion, you had your ethnic champions, which were huge in the Northeast. And, you know, your immigrants looked up to him like, yeah, he's an American. Yeah, he was born here, but he's still our guy. Right. Um, there's not really much of that anymore. You know, um, so that's good. Are we afraid? But, but are we afraid to have that? Are we afraid to have so much the hyphen personality 
Yes, I think we are. You know, with WWE being a publicly traded company, you can't do the Attitude Era or the Rock, rock and Wrestling Era anymore. You can't hold everything uh, to the standard of what it was in the 50s, 60s, and 70s even uh, with your ethnic champions because that could even be viewed as racist today. Well, can you have someone named Abdullah the Butcher? No. No, you can't have Abdullah the Butcher. You Iron can't Sheik. have Muhammad Hassan. You can't have Iron yeah. Sheik, Nikolai Volkov, Nikita you Koloff. Have, you know. Yeah, yeah. You can't have any of these guys. Right. George the Animal Steel would mm-hmm. be considered, you know, uh, a, a cause for the mental health advocates. Right. Uh, you know, you can. I know there was a wrestler in, in the '90s who tried to uh, to, to do that. Actually, uh, mid 2000s, it was Eugene. Eugene, right. Nick Densmore did it that, yeah. It, now, did it, it really didn't take hold too much. It worked for a little while. Yes. But when you have Triple H crushing the guy who is special needs, yeah. and then there's this heel turn that you tried to push him through, doesn't really work. So it worked for a while, but he's got to be the one that gets over on Triple H by outsmarting him, not getting beaten to a bloody pulp on a pay-per-view. Yeah. Well, and but but you lose some when everything is gray. Mm-hmm. Who do you root for? And then you kind of focus. You, know, you kind of revert back to. I mean, Chris Jericho. I don't want anyone to think that I don't uh, mm. respect him deeply. He's a, he's right. a, a brilliant wrestler. He's a, he's a superstar. It's right. as simple as that. Absolutely. With a, a, Chris a, is a legend. S, S. Yes, absolute legend. But you lose something. The fans. What draws the fans to wrestling? It's the people mm-hmm. sport. Mm-hmm. Is the ability. To take sides. Okay. And the passion of it. Right. And to be betrayed. And, you know, back in the in the old school days, if someone would be uh, their tag team partner, mm-hmm. would turn on them. Right. It would resonate more because it was like, oh, how is that possible? You know, you, you expected it from a rule breaker. You, they, right. you know, okay, what do you, you know. But someone like Ric Flair took the level of being a heel. Right. And made it somewhat engaging despite yourself. Yeah, and he was that guy that you loved to hate. Not like Freddie yes. Blassie out here in L.A. who you hated and wanted to hate even more. You know? Right, and, yes. And there was something – and it always goes into somewhat, okay, if Ric Flair maybe isn't that bad a guy. Okay. I think people felt that, that despite everything, he really didn't want to be this bad. Mm. And I think that was more interesting. See, I met Ric Flair, and I think he lives his gimmick a little too much. Really? Uh, that was my interpretation when I met him and the way he behaved towards me. I mean, granted, if I was an attractive blonde lady, he would have probably been much nicer. Yes. But, you know, when you're six foot three and a bald, bald man with a, with a big booming voice coming at him, that's, you know... Old enough well, what to happened? be his. Tell son. us the story. Uh, we were at we were at a signing, and I walk up, and I was talking to his press rep, uh, or his agent at the time. He's got a new agent now, and I said, you know, we'd like to set up an interview with Rick, uh, if we could do that. Looks up from his table, goes, not on somebody else's dime, pal. Looks back down, you know, wouldn't even acknowledge uh, a handshake uh, attempt on my part. You know, at least thank you for your consideration. And just goes back to doing his thing, and she's like, well, we can set something up for you. And I was like, I'll think about it at this point. Because, granted, you're a living legend, but I'm not a dog to chase. Right. And, well, that's that's wrong. Yeah. Is there any – are there anyone 
any wrestlers who you think now, okay, in present wrestling, who are have that larger than life Ric Flair heel quality? Again, I would have said Jericho because Jericho has been able to not only be the savage heel that Ric Flair was and the whole you know I'm better than you but I and there's no reason for me to resort to these dirty tactics but I still do which is another reason why you love to hate Ric Flair was he was that good why do you need to be that bad right um but Jericho was able to take the same gimmick that he had in WCW when he was a heel facing Dean Malenko with the 1004 holds and just you know, reading off a spreadsheet of all the moves that he knew better than Malenko. And then coming around nearly 20 years later and coming up with the list and putting names on the list of who was on his S list. And it's virtually the same gimmick, but he made it work twice. And he made it comedic both times and still heelish. So you think in the, in the, in a fight. Jericho would beat Flair. In a, in a shoot? Or in their prime. Oh, in their prime. Not Flair as an old fat guy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, in their prime, that I would say that would depend on Dusty Rhodes and Ole Anderson, who are, or whoever's booking. But, <laughs> um, you know, I think Jericho at, say, 35 and Flair at 40. Um would have drawn a lot of money. Yes. And I think it would have been a very much uh, Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair type situation where Jericho would have had to play the face. Yes. It's, do, do you find some of... Do you find that um, wrestling uh, being too packaged, too slick, as opposed to going back 20, 30 years when it had a grittier quality? Because I, I find that a little bit. There was something about Georgia Championship Wrestling, mm-hmm. which was so down home. Okay. And, you know, Gordon Soley, um, when he was Florida, Gordon Soley, but, right. you know, in Florida Championship Wrestling. Right. Him, when, Lance when, Russell, those those type of yeah. announcers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they would just take the wrestlers aside, there was something really more basic mm-hmm. about it than the bigger produced shows i mean what do you think about that the great thing is is that with the how do i put this okay with the dissolve of the territories we yes. got better production for wrestling wcw you mean like the dissolve of like nwa and all the mid-atlantic and right where they've all where they were all bought out by either vince or crockett and eventually turner yes um we got better quality wrestling Yes. You know, we had better production of, of shows. But what's great about today is, okay, we have WWE and Vince McMahon, the Coca-Cola of professional wrestling. Right. You know, but we also have the options that weren't there 30, 30, even 30 years ago, you know, where we had to have cable to watch the AWA on ESPN. And Vern Gagne loved shooters and that sort of style of the AWA. And then we had to also, again, have cable to watch Superstation TBS or WTBS, Ted Turner broadcast, you know, his broadcasting station. Sure. 605. And thank, thank you, Ted Turner and the TBS station 
for teaching sure. me about time zones because when I tune in at six <laughs> o'clock, it was three hours after the show had already aired. <laughs> Yeah, you learned your lesson quick, didn't you? Yeah. You know, eight years old, I learned time zones really fast. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, th- so thank you, WTBS, which is now uh, Time Warner, for having taught me about that. But, you know, your local show was your local show. Now with things like Fight TV, uh, you know, F-I-T-E, um, and their network, I can get Ring of Honor. I can get uh, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, Championship Wrestling from Arizona. I can get variations of NWA offshoots and indie shows. Uh, there are indie shows in Orange County I could go to with the uh, Gold Coast Federation or Orange County Championship Wrestling, OCCW. Um, you know, I can go to San Diego and go to so- SoCal Pro. And this is just within 15 minutes with traffic to an hour and a half away from me. And I can catch just three different indie companies that I just mentioned. Uh, PWG, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, you know, all those guys are in the area. Go up to San Francisco and I can go to All Pro Wrestling. So I have options for professional wrestling now. And the in, what makes the indies a little more fun is that we still get the characters and we still get the over-the-top characters. And we don't mind if it's a botch because it's in front of 300 people, not 30,000 people. Okay, so who, give me an example of some um, over-the-top characters that you've seen um, in some indie sites. Marty Skrull. I, okay, Marty Skrull. Marty I, Skrull. I like Marty. Marty, he, you know, he's part of the Bullet Club. Yes, he's part of New Japan and Ring of Honor, and they go out and, you know, uh, he's very polished. He does do botches every once in a while, but everybody does, and the camera sometimes catches it. Because you you know he is a high, they do high risk moves and those botches do come, but the fact that he comes out there in the steampunk looking you know uh, outfit with the top hat and the goggles and those weirdo masks that you saw in Eyes Wide Shut and then an umbrella on top of it you know he's a character I like seeing characters like that you know uh, Gorillas of Destruction fought uh, Haku's sons. You know, it, it's fun seeing them, you know, Tama Tonga and his brother come out in, in the war paint and just demolish everybody like the Road Warriors used to. Um, you know, if Pentagon, Ju- uh, Pentagon Jr. and then, uh, what's it called? Uh, his brother, Phoenix, you know, their characters. Aerostar is a fun character to watch. He's named after a horrible Ford van, uh, family van, or minivan, but, you know, he's a great wrestler to watch. And I think that's where Lucha and New Japan keep everything interesting. And Lucha Underground goes, look, we have mixed martial arts. We know what a real fight looks like. We still get vignettes with Lucha Underground. You know, but I mean, we got Phoenix resurrecting from the dead two weeks ago. Because, hello, his name's Phoenix. So we got to bring the Phoenix back after killing him. Right, of course. That makes perfect sense. So they have fun with it. You know, and I give... Robert Rodriguez and Mark uh, and Mark Barnett credit for going. Look, we have real MMA. This is pro wrestling, but this is also a TV show. Let's have fun with it. Yes. You know, we're in on the story. We're in on the joke. Yes. You know, they broke in the fourth sp- wall. When I was speaking, there's all kinds of superstars mm-hmm. and superheroes, and wrestlers right. are you know superheroes. Oh yeah. And you're a DC fanatic. I love DC comics. I love. So I want you to. Tell everyone, or let's let's talk about the recent news about DC regarding Superman and Batman. 
Okay, so ben, apparently Ben Affleck has completely bowed out of any Batman movie. And the rumor of Henry Cavill is he's in, he's out. It's going back and forth. He's playing ping pong with whether he's in or out. You know, there isn't a clear uh, going of it. But there has been an uproar where people have suggested, or the rumor is, that Michael B. Jordan will be taking Henry Cavill's place as Superman in the next rendition of films. Well, a black Superman right. is a big deal. It's like um, I'm a big James Bond fan, mm-hmm. and there was rumors um, about Idris Elba right. replacing um, Daniel Craig after mm-hmm. Craig, Mr. Mopey, the most unhappy 007 ever. He's only getting like $40 million, you poor baby. Right. And so Idris <laughs> Elba, you know, mm-hmm. who's a brilliant actor, um, mm-hmm. who's an African-American. Well, not, I'm sorry, not African-American. He's British. Um, African-British. British, yeah. African-British, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, he's brilliant, but he... He was being bandied about, mm-hmm. and he took his name out. And there was, again, some of the same backlash. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, with the, just a skirt to the side, just a, for a moment, right. with 007, mm-hmm. fans are very particular about what you look like. Right. And so, um, you know, Daniel Craig did not look like the classic Scottish right. uh, J- James Bond. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, I thought it, um, if you would just smile a little bit, but uh, I've read all the books many times, and mm-hmm. Ian Fleming described James Bond with a cruel mouth. He's a killer mm-hmm. at the end of the day. This is, I mean, but he's also right. very tormented, mm-hmm. and there's a lot going on. He's not quite as smooth in the novels mm-hmm. as Sean Connery, certainly Roger Moore, right. and which I think Daniel Craig brought to the role. But Dan- you're right. Daniel Craig was very much the Ian Fleming, uh, torn up, uh, scowly yes. uh, James yeah. Bond, the rugged James Bond. Yes. Yes, exactly. He was not, you know, he didn't just, you know, come out and just straighten his tie. There was a lot going on, a lot of um, baggage, a mm-hmm. lot of scars, right. um, and probably not fit for duty, mm-hmm. if you think about it, which I think those movies with Craig um, reflected. Mm-hmm. But when he was cast, even though he's white and even though he's British, mm-hmm. there was a, a backlash about, well, he doesn't look like James Bond. So to consider a black James Bond or a black Superman, now, Superman is, is kind of interesting mm-hmm. because well, you know, explain because you explained to me offline, which is I find fascinating okay. that there are um, 52 different DC universes. Yes. And in some of you know, if you talk about taking really um, good drugs. Okay. <laughs> so there's 52 um, DC universes. And right. in some of them, there is a black Superman. If yes. you could just explain to people who don't get that. Okay. So in 2011, DC relaunched their entire line. And recreated Earth 2 with Earth Society, uh, which was a variation of Justice Society, uh, based on the characters that they had in the 1940s. Well, Clark Kent in this one, you know, the Superman that we're familiar with, goes bad and joins uh, the the villains from Apocalypse and becomes a herald of, of theirs. And another guy named Val Zod, a much younger uh, black guy, uh, is now dubbed the new Superman. So there's a much younger black Superman uh, named Val Zod who puts on the blue and white suit with the S shield on his chest and helps Superman's cousin, Power Girl, uh, you know, uh, deal with him in his tyranny. Uh, in Earth 23, a uh, variation by Grant Morrison, um, which I think Michael B. Jordan would not be fit for this role because he's a little too young, but Idris Alba could is a Calvin 
Ellis, who is now president of the United States of America, because again, Superman is presumed to have been born in the United States, or at least Clark Kent or Calvin Ellis is presumed right. to have been born in the United States. Right. Illegal immigrant. Right. One of the first great illegal immigrants, right. yes. But Kal-El, the Superman of Earth-23, is a Kryptonian as well. He just happened to be black. So if they went with the Calvin Ellis, older political statesman Superman, as president of the United States and part of the Justice, Society, uh, Justice League, I think that would be some amazing storytelling. Uh, if they yes. went with the Val Zod younger Superman, Michael B. Jordan would be perfect for that role. Uh, just to switch the ethnicity of Clark Kent and make him a black guy, when you've already have two established black Superman in the multiverse, is a disservice to the fans of the comics and to the properties that you already own. Why wouldn't you take it in a different direction? Especially since Mar uh, at least Sony is using the ultimate Spider-Man of Miles Morales, who is uh, um, Afro-Hispanic, and putting him in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse animated feature. And he will meet Peter Parker from the alternate universe, who is the other Spider-Man. Okay, I'm amazed that you could keep all this track of all this. Yeah. I'm, but my hat, that's, I'm kind of blown away that you could do this. Okay. <laughs> Why would they expand the universe is it simply commercial is yeah it simply to... initially yeah. it was you know oh we could sell more stories this way you know there were what if stories from marvel and elseworld stories from dc and eventually when they decided to do these continuity stories of hey wait a minute they're all in the same world well hell we just had you know superman over here doing xyz and then we had him in another book with batman over there that have no connection to the two story arcs that we just sold in the same week, they decided, oh, well, well, that's Earth 1, Earth 2. And so they were allowed to split it up because now we have 52 different universes. We have a multiverse, and we can just sell stories from, oh, well, that was an Earth 17 story, so don't worry about that one. That's Earth 23. That's Earth 50, uh, you know, 50, et cetera, et cetera. So you can go back and forth with those things. And when they converge the Earths in Crisis on Infinite Earth, you got all those stories of Earth 1 and Earth 2 and everything else coming together to one universe. So you did have three Supermen at one, or two Supermen at one time. The Earth 1 and Earth 2 Superman there. And the Anti-Monitor uh, caused all these problems. It does get convoluted after a while and you wonder why I have this knowledge in my head. But, you know, I like to read. So if you ask me theological questions from my master's program, I could still answer questions of that or, you know, from uh, history classes or whatever else. So... I have a lot of well, stuff okay. rattling around in here. Yes, I know. I know the feeling. There's a lot of things on the computer, on the computer, right? Okay. A lot of chips. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sometimes they get jumbled a little bit. Right. <laughs> but the mythology mm -hmm. all goes back to um, the same um, beginning of Superman, right? Yeah, Moses. It, yes, exactly. Right. Yes. So has but the the, the myth what Superman used to represent? Mm -hmm. 1938. Right. And an America on the verge of war, America still in the grips of the Great Depression. Dealing with uh, racketeering, corrupt politicians, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, you had Hitler, you had um, the, the Japanese Empire, mm -hmm. you had the communist threat, you had, you know, the Mussolini, the, the Italian fascist. Right. And you were, you know, a, a year away from the European World War II and mm -hmm. three years away from 
uh, America's involvement after mm-hmm. Pearl Harbor. But he still America still represented, you know, truth, justice and the American way. Now, has that mythology been preserved in all the Superman comics, do you think? And and in the movies or I know a few years ago, Superman renounced his citizenship, which mm-hmm. I thought was pretty tacky. Right. Frankly, I uh, mean, it's just really too political. But, so what do you think about that? Well, the American way line didn't come about till the Red Scare of the 1950s with McCarthyism. He always stood for truth and justice up until the 1950s with the McCarthy scare, and they incorporated it into the George Reeves TV series, and then they put Uh it in the comics. Ah, how interesting. I didn't know that. Yes. But Superman was also the beacon of hope for finding a new place as an immigrant. Because here's this Moses story, you know. Put in a basket, sent upriver, found by the by the populace of the new nation, and raised at a, as a citizen of that nation. That's Moses. Yeah. Well, right. since he was created by two Jews, that's not a big surprise. <laughs> right. Right. And <laughs> it's an, you know they're thumbing through Exodus and going, oh, we'll do this one. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know? <laughs> so you know you have the story of Moses, and you know he doesn't really fit in, but he's been accepted. You know, and there's always this longing, and every immigrant has this, or like myself, first-generation American who was the child of immigrants that was born in the United States. You have one foot in the old world where you really don't belong, and you have another foot in the new world, which is your home, but culturally you don't fully identify with it. Right. So, you know, it's this back and forth, like George Lopez used to, you know, used to have a joke about Thanksgiving, uh, which is true for all ethnicities. Like you'd have the turkey and then they'd have like tamales. Yes, so we'd, yeah. Yeah. so like we'd have the turkey and then we'd have like hummus and tabbouleh and everything else that went along, yeah. you know, and yeah. stuffed grape leaves and everything else that went along with it. So it's like, here's our primary American dish and here's all our ethnic food along with it. And well, that's the beauty of the American immigrant experience, right. is because we were never told. I mean, I'm, I'm <clears throat> excuse me, I'm third generation American, mm-hmm. and um, actually fourth going back to the 1890s, mm-hmm. when um, my people are primarily from Russia and the Pale of Settlement, and mm-hmm. we fled after um, Tsar Alexander III's pogroms, mm-hmm. and we were encouraged to be Americans and embrace what America is about. Mm-hmm. And we could talk in a little while about what that means anymore. Right. And our people were encouraged to learn English mm-hmm. and to, to, you know, to be one, to be a, an American citizen. Mm-hmm. But America doesn't ask you, unlike other nations, mm-hmm. to discard your ethnicity or your race, your racial heritage or any heritage, or your religion at all, which is the beauty mm-hmm. of America. No one is, I mean, here in New York, and I'm mm-hmm. sure it's the same in L.A. and in many mm-hmm. places from our listeners, uh, you know, there's signs in different languages. Right. You go on the New York City subway. I, there must be at least five different languages. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's okay to be of from somewhere else because that's what our country is about. Mm-hmm. And that was the genius. The two most genius things that the United States has ever done in regards to the United States, not foreign policy. I'm talking specifically to the United yes. States. Domestic, yes. Uh, was taking the dumpiest cities we have. And making them the state capitals, learning from Europe that, like, if Paris got destroyed, Berlin, Moscow, London, etc., you know, are all destroyed, all infrastructure is gone until we rebuild the main city. 
So you're a New Yorker. Manhattan is the hub of the entire East Coast and the East, the entire Eastern United States financial hub. Correct? Yes. All right. In the country, actually. Right? The country. I'll, gi- I'll give you the country because, you know, we have yes. San Francisco's uh, Embarcadero as well. But, uh, yeah, for the, you know, the country. Okay. But if Manhattan is destroyed, all right, or, you know, recently nine, 17th anniversary of 9-11 happened, uh, we wish the survivors and their families well, especially with uh, all the politi- politicized nonsense that's going on with them, and we feel for them. 9-11 happened in New York City. That was a horrible tragedy 17 years ago. But the state capital is Albany, New York, which is, I'm right. sorry, people from Albany, it's a dumpy city. Yes, it's not the greatest city. No, right. I mean, there's some, <clears throat> I've been there a couple times, and there's some really great um, historical buildings. Right. Because it's old. Right. But I wouldn't want to, you know, hang out there, and I hope people from Albany are not going to send us nasty emails and texts. Right. Uh, but you're right. There is a yeah. big difference. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you have Seattle, you have Olympia. Olympia is the capital of Washington. So if Seattle right. goes, Olympia can still run. California, we have San Francisco, San Diego, Los Angeles. Any of our three cities go, boom. But we have Sacramento to still run everything. So that is one of the most genius things that the United States ever did in regards to domestic domestic ideology. The second one is in regards to patriotism versus nationalism. All right. You are of Jewish ancestry from Russia. Right. All right. You are allowed... To not only have your matzo ball soup, and we're going full stereotype with this, just yeah, go for it, go for it, just for example purposes. Yes, yeah, right. but it's <laughs> true. Sometimes stereotypes are true. Right. Yeah, and you're borscht. Yes, you can still speak Yiddish and Russian in your house if you so choose to. Still be proud to be of Jewish Russian ancestry, but still be an American patriarch and go. I'm a citizen. I belong here. Yes, the beauty. I can do the same thing being an Assyrian American. I can sit there and have my kebabs and my stuffed grape leaves and my stuffed zucchini and my tabbouleh and my hummus and whatever else. I can sit there and continue to speak Aramaic in my house or Arabic because my mom was born in Lebanon and I I learned Lebanese dialect of that or Farsi because my father was born in Iran or whatever other language I want to speak and still be proud of my ancient heritage going back 7,000 years of recorded history in Mesopotamia and the Fertile Crescent. And I can still sit here and go, you know what? I am an American. I was born here. I have a right to be here. You immigrated here. You have a right to be here. Welcome, and we all belong. You might not like me because of cultural divides from what we had in the old country or religious disputes from the old country, but guess what? We're here, and we have a place to belong. I think we've forgotten that. Mm -hmm. We have. I I really think that that that, that point so eloquently made has been sadly lost. Mm -hmm. Uh, again, in the politicizing of the immigrant experience, uh, the illegal versus legal. I'm right. not. A, I don't. I don't know who is a big fan of illegal immigration. Right. I happen to believe that some sort of um, border wall is needed mm-hmm. because people. It's not cool to come into the country illegally. Right. It, there's laws. We're a nation of laws, and that goes back. You want to just even contemporary times goes back to the Clinton administration. No well, one was said it's okay. Well, let's go back to the Superman era and Mussolini and the rise of Mussolini. What did they? What was the uh, racial pejorative for Italians when they came over here? I guess WAP stands for without papers, and they'd write it in chalk. They came without papers. Well, if you're you know if you're escaping fascism, you got on the boat and you left. Right. So that's why they were dusting off their jackets and they kept calling them WAPs, which is a horrible racial slur. 
you know, yes. but all racial slurs are horrible. Yeah. But the Italians face it, the Jews face it, the Irish face it, black people Everyone still continue does. to face it, Jews still continue to face it. Middle Eastern people are the new target. Congratulations, you know, we're we're playing tag and we're it. I think uh, George Lopez or Carlos Mencia or Mencia stole that joke from uh, Lopez, you know, said that. You know, but once we're here, we have the exact same opportunities. And I think we have to get rid of our entitlement. And we have to get rid of our level of pride. You know? I mean... Well, I, I don't know if I would agree with that. Okay. So, no, no, no. So, I um, mean personal pride, not national pride. Yes, okay. So, like... But I think we have things to be proud of. Look, every country, like every person, has flaws. Mm -hmm. America's not perfect. No, 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 no society. No. But considering... I really think we are the shining city on the hill. Mm -hmm. And what we have built and what we have maintained mm -hmm. since... You know, the, the 1776, or right. you know, you want to go, you know, 1789 and everything, mm -hmm. however you want to uh, measure it, is pretty extraordinary. Yes. And so much of the Constitution still works, mm -hmm. and the founding fathers were so brilliant. And yes, they were flawed. They owed slaves, like many people did, unfortunately, in those times. That isn't to say in any way I'm, um, you know, mm -hmm. tolerating that. No one is. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. But they shouldn't be um, discarded either because of that. Of course. And I think. Because America has made mistakes, America overall should be discarded. Mm -hmm. And I think too often you see in our society that it is blame America first. Mm -hmm. But and what, I think that's the instinct. Right. Uh, to clear up what I, what I meant by eliminating our pride, not pride as a national sense, not be proud of what our country has done historically. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about personal pride. Like from, I'll use myself as an example, okay? Uh, you know, I've mentioned I have, I have an advanced degree. I used to teach at the university level, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm proud of those accomplishments, but I'm not too proud to sit there that if the university had cutbacks when they let me go, not to go back and find a job that allowed me to pay my bills and say, well, I have a master's degree. I can't lower myself yeah. to do that job. No, yeah. that, that pride has to be put yes. aside or to look down on somebody doing an honest day's work. And go, oh, well, they're a blue-collar worker. Or, oh, they're middle management. Or, oh, they're this. Or, oh, they're that. Are they paying their bills? Are they feeding their family? Is it a legal way for them to earn that living? You know? And I'm not talking about migrant farm workers or anything like that. I'm talking about, like, you know, illegal stuff like, you know, drug running and, and you know, smuggling and, and coyotes and that sort of stuff. You know? Are they doing an honest day's work? Yes. Whether it's labor or white collar or whatever else, are they able to provide or at least try to provide for their family? So why would I look down on that person for whether they're a farmer or whether they're a mechanic or a plumber or a lawyer or a doctor or anything else because I didn't choose to go that route? That's the pride that I'm saying that we need to put aside. Well, there's a reason why our show is called Coastal Commoners, mm -hmm. because both you and I share a contempt for elites. Yes. And uh, in other words, what you're talking about are the deplorables, mm -hmm. as um, Hillary Clinton re referred to, um, those who dare to support Trump. Or mm -hmm. it went deeper than Trump. It was, you know, Obama's, well, their, their bitterness clinging to their, um, you know, their, their guns and their religion. Mm -hmm. And uh, people, I grew up blue-collar family. My father hung wallpaper. Mm -hmm. My grandfather was a painter. Uh, my grandfather was a strong armor for the painters union, he used to beat up um, union busters. And occasionally they'd go out to Long Island and 
attacked the, the German American Bund, the mm-hmm. Nazis, back in the 30s. Right. So there is something honest about that kind of work, mm-hmm. which is often looked down upon by the elites on both coasts, unfortunately. Right. And when you, you want to talk about politicizing what mm-hmm. people do, I uh, you t- you mentioned John Stewart testifying mm-hmm. about um, getting money for first providers. If you want to talk about mm-hmm. that through nine eleven, since we're within that window mm-hmm. of the anniversary, yeah. You know the fact that they attached random bills, both sides, the left and the right, the Republicans and the Democrats. You know, I won't even say Republicans and Democrats. I won't say conservative or liberal. I will say far left, far right. You yeah. know that. And John Stewart had said this on Fox News, so people's heads were probably exploding when they saw him on there from both sides, sitting there and saying, "This is not a partisan issue. Why are you attaching random bills?" stifling this from going through to help our first responders that were lied to that said, no, the air was safe for you to go down there and help these people, and they're all now getting cancer and dying. Yeah. Though them, veterans, help the veterans as much as possible. The VA isn't the best hospital in the world. It should be the greatest hospital that goes across anything the United States has. Well, and where does the money go? Right. And you're right. It's not I, I mean, I'm a political independent and I, I have as much contempt for Mitch McConnell as I have for Charles Schumer. Mm-hmm. I think the system is, is profoundly corrupt. And when people who were saving lives mm-hmm. on the day of the worst terrorist attack right. in American history to even question mm-hmm. whether they should have the funds available, as right. you say, to not make men and women mm-hmm. who, you know, sacrifice their limbs. Right and their futures to defend America. And people forget they're defending America. It's, you know, you're going to talk about any of the nonsense where we went into, you know, to liberate Iraq for the oil. Well, we gave the oil back. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, there's no oil wells in Iraq pumping directly into America. I mean, we are an exporter of oil now. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's a, a great straw man mm-hmm. that the left likes to, to, yeah. to throw out there. But unfortunately, everything is political. Mm-hmm. And so it's difficult to believe what's true anymore and you know that kind of leads us to the um the recent controversy around um justice uh, brett kavanaugh mm-hmm. who seemed to be sailing he survived the um confirmation hearings despite right. the best efforts of people like your senator kamala uh, harris who and I believe she's been in office for 11 days and feinstein and feinstein mm-hmm. and Corey, i am spartacus booker mm-hmm. i mean what you know what uh, kamala harris did uh, cutting a Twitter video of Kavanaugh explaining a, a, um, a, a judgment, not a judgment, but a, um, an opinion of a court case, not his own opinion. Mm-hmm. And she made it seem like that was his opinion regarding abortion. But now what's come up is that uh, for those not following it, back in August or mm-hmm. July it was, uh, Diane Feinstein got a letter attesting to um, what seems to be uh, attempted rape by Kavanaugh back when he was in high school on a 15-year-old girl. Now, it comes, you know, a few days before the, uh, within a week of the mm-hmm. confirmation hearing scheduled for um, for Thursday, and it seems like a cheap political stunt. Now, with the whole thing with the Me Too um, movement, for those, uh, we understand what people are afraid, mm-hmm. uh, but something consistent with accusations against rich and powerful, often white men, Mm -hmm. is the fact 
that there was some contemporaneous complaint, either if, even if it wasn't with the police because they were they were afraid, but they told a boyfriend, they told a parent, they told a friend, they told someone right. who could then testify, yes, this happened. It's not like something happening back in the 80s, and now this woman says in 2012, uh, couples therapy. Mm-hmm. She said, oh, right, and it was Brett Kavanaugh. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible that this is true. Okay, and I, God forbid it uh, is, because if, if it is true, get them out of there. Yes, we'll, absolutely. We'll throw that if out you for tried sure. to rape someone, mm-hmm. but the fact is there is absolutely no corroboration to this. Okay, mm-hmm. There were 65 bipartisan women who have known him in high school, and they said he was the greatest guy ever. And Kavanaugh is outraged and is willing to testify and confront this. It could go back before the Senate Judiciary Committee. And it's come out um, today. I saw a report that this woman, Ford, um, uh, is a big supporter of the Democratic National Committee. Mm-hmm. She gave money to the DNC. She gave money to Bernie Sanders. She marched against Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's kind of a, a liberal activist, as is her lawyer, Deborah Katz. Mm-hmm. So my point is not we, we don't know what the truth is. And we're certainly going to find out the late, later this week. It, it's a little skeptical. It's mm-hmm. a little doubtful, but we'll see if it's true. Obviously, Kavanaugh's name have to, has to be withdrawn. But to do this, no one is above being smeared anymore. No. And that's a large issue. It's the left and it's the right. And you, you can really no longer trust the character of our officials. Mm-hmm. And that's that's worrisome. I just want us to sit there and go, okay, like you, what you and I do. Because, you know, I'm more on the libertarian side yes. of things. You know, anything that looks remotely tyrannical, I want to run away from. Yes, I hear you. Know, anything that looks like suppression of an individual's rights to any freedom, you know, I want to run away from. Like, you know, I was telling this to somebody the other day. I was like, you want to have guns, have 700 of them, I don't care, so long as they're all registered and bought and paid for by you, you right. know. You want to you want to get married to another guy and you, you know, in whatever situation, whether a religious one or a secular one, and it's it's a homosexual relationship, by all means, God bless you. I hope it works out sure. for you. I want you guys to be happy. I don't yes. want to suppress anybody else's freedom unless it infringes on someone else's. Right. You know, like if I'm at home, you know, and I don't know, my music is, la- I have my headphones on. I'm doing damage to my own hearing, for example, and it's loud and it's blaring. I don't want the neighbor to sit there to try to suppress me from listening to loud music in my headphones. Now, if I take the headphones out and I'm blaring loud, obnoxious polka music (laughs) at all hours of the night. Is that what you listen to, by the way? I want people to... No, I'm, I'm, to I'm, (laughs) I'm just using that as an example. Well, it is Oktoberfest time, so... Yes, right. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm annoying the neighbors at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning while mowing the lawn and vacuuming the house. By all means, call the cops on me because now I'm infringing on your rights as an individual person for privacy and quiet. If I'm doing it to myself with the headphones on, who cares? Right. That's the uh, that's what it is. And so right. that's how I look and, at it. Well, and, and we have a, a – when you delegitimize mm-hmm. – people who are supposed to lead us right and you erode all the sort of um viewpoints and beliefs in our system 
Mm-hmm. First of all, you're going to scare. I mean, who would want to run for, for public office anymore? Right. Who doesn't have things that they're ashamed of? Mm-hmm. And I think we've gone so far along right. the path towards anything civil in our dialogue. I mean, the reason that we wanted to do this show, among other reasons, is that we wanted to be able to show that you and I could disagree, two people could mm-hmm. disagree, and have intelligent, respectful discussions without calling each other names or saying, well, you're stupid. And still like. be friends. Yes, yeah. and but that's we're losing that now. Yeah, We're losing because you can't trust the reason of why people behave the way they do because it's always, well, Trump's the greatest, Trump sucks. Mm-hmm. And there's got to be more than that, and there's got to be an ability to understand why things are going on. And the Supreme Court is a very sacred pillar of our society checks and balances for those of you who might have read the constitution out there and the judiciary is very important and we don't want someone on the court who might have been a potential rapist Mm -hmm. but you don't want to have their reputation smeared simply to stop their nomination when everything aside Mm -hmm. whether you agree with um brett kavanaugh on his opinions he's eminently qualified in terms of being a jurist he's a brilliant man Mm -hmm. and he is well thought of in the community and he's been vetted by the fbi off and on since like 1993 and he seems a man of integrity so again it is possible that this woman is telling the truth and then someone else is going to come forward and say yeah well brett you know grab my you know what right and suddenly it and if that's the case he shouldn't be a Supreme Court justice. I, yes. I am all for that, but we are still all for due process. Um, one thing you did mention, having read the Constitution. Yes. The majority of people know only three at most, maybe four, of, of the amendments. We have the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, which some people want to revoke the first one, some people want to revoke the second one. Yes. The Fourth Amendment, which is uh, typically what criminals like to to refer to as illegal search and seizure, yes. um, you know, which even if you're not a criminal, you should know that one because you have a right to refuse that. Yes. The Fifth Amendment, not to incriminate yourself. All right. But there is one amendment that everyone should be unified on to have repealed and virtually no one knows which amendment that is. Go ahead. The Sixteenth Amendment. Which is? Income tax. Ah, yes. The federal income taxes, the 16th Amendment. Our representatives went through with the 16th Amendment saying, yes, in order to fix our problems, we need to charge income tax. And this was, of course, you know, during the Great Depression, which was their attempt to fix it and still took a a world war to fix it, not income tax from the people to balance everything out. That's for sure. That is the one that everyone in society should be wanting to revoke, is income tax. The 16th Amendment. Save the Second Amendment, save the First Amendment, everything else. If we revoked prohibition and gave us the 21st Amendment, allowing people to to drink alcohol again, we need to revoke the 16th Amendment and sit there and go, no. You have earned this money. You know, you keep it. I am for a flat tax. I will give you up to 25% in a flat tax. I will say 15 federal, 10 per, you know, uh, say, no, let's say 
30% roughly? Yeah. Because if you can't balance the budget with that, so let's say 15 goes to federal, 10 goes to state, 3 goes to county, 2 goes to city, out of every single paycheck, you know, no write-offs, no nothing. That includes income tax, uh, state tax, federal tax, sales tax, uh, property tax, et cetera, et cetera. If everyone, we have, th- we have 350 million people in this country. We have 170 million eligible working people. If you can't balance the budget and get America out of the red and into the black with 15% out of every single paycheck coming in, whether it's weekly, biweekly, or monthly, you're the problem. And now you can't use your diversion tactics of saying, look what that guy did over there and argue because now we know where the money went and we won't focus on nonsense of should should abortion be revoked. Well, no, it's passed. It's the law. Deal with it. Should gay marriage be revoked? No, it's the law. It passed. Deal with it. You don't have to be a part of it. You know, you don't like guns. Don't buy one. You don't want to, to hear someone say that on TV. Change the channel. You have that capability. So, yes, my vote is for revoking the 16th Amendment and a flat tax. And there is my political rant to go along with yours today. Well, and I, I share it. And I think that because our, <clears throat> our politicians <clears throat> have money, mm-hmm. that gives them power. Yes. And the power of the purse. Mm-hmm. And people forget, as, you, as you're talking about, it's our money. Mm-hmm. It's not someone else's money. It's our tax dollars. Right. And you know, I don't want to sound like a socialist because it's certainly not my bent, but mm-hmm. I'm a populist. Okay. And I think that the abuse of the um, income tax system, the federal tax system, the state tax system by the wealthy is a scandal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's disgraceful. Rich people could get better lawyers to mm-hmm. find loopholes. I mean, that's really the bottom line. Right. They have more deductions. Mm-hmm. So they, yes, they pay a high percentage because they make more, but they get away with a lot more, and it simply isn't fair. If you make, if the taxes is about mm-hmm. everyone being an American and everyone contributing, then we should all contribute the same amount. Right. Well, I'm not against rich people or poor people or anything of that sort. Remember when Mitt Romney was running for president of the United States, and people freaked out that Mitt Romney personally is poor. But his trust is wealthy and his financial and his corporations are wealthy. But Mitt Romney gets a stipend from those and only paid 15% in tax. People were up in arms. My yes. reaction was like, dear God, teach me how to get away with paying only 15% in tax. Yes. You know, don't, don't but, hate the guy. Learn the system and how, and how to maneuver around it the way he did. Yes. Well, we're, we're running out of time. Yes. But before we go, I just wanted to do a few quick, um, Movie reviews. Okay. Because I see a lot of movies, mm-hmm. and I want this to be a regular. I'd like this to be a regular feature, so I'm going to give you a few snapshots. Sounds good. Okay. So I saw Colette, which is um, a movie starring Kira Knightley as the um, famous French writer, mm-hmm. which uh, also starred Dominic West, which I do recommend. It's okay. um, beautiful scenes of Paris. Unfortunately, the French live there, yeah. but we try not to, you know, overlook that. Um, Kira Knightley, I, I will go on the record, and my wife, you know, is going to listen to this, and it's. She'll get upset, but she knows my feelings. I would drink Kira's bath, bath water. I love Kira Knightley. Have a huge crush on her. I always have, and I'm just that's it for the public record. The entire world has, now knows I would drink Kira Knightley's bath water. I don't think I drink I, anybody's bath water, but sure, go for it. Kira Knightley, I would. Yes, okay. the only one. <laughs> I saw um, now the Western is a, a movie genre mm-hmm. which is in disfavor. 
because of, you know, and we can next week, we should talk a little bit about the Western and its <laughs> great sort of morality, because uh, it's wonderful. It, the, 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 the pastoral landscape mm-hmm. of emotions and um, their sisters brothers, okay. which stars John C. Riley, jo- um, Joaquin Phoenix and Jake Gyllenhaal is mm-hmm. terrific. Now, it's is really... is that a comedy or is that a, a straight Western? No, that's a straight Western. It has okay. some comedic moments. Okay. Because how can they not? Especially right. John C. Riley, who's mm-hmm. one of the most gifted and, and um, versatile actors, and Joaquin Phoenix, who seems to be a lunatic, but who cares? He's a wonderful actor. And Jake Gyllenhaal has that um, twinkle. Right. <clears throat> so I would definitely recommend that. Excuse me. And then I saw, um, for genre fans, Nicolas Cage in the new horror movie Mandy, okay, which is wonderfully over the top. It's just Nicolas Cage, you know, can chew the carpet, as they say. Okay. And but he can also be very understated, which people seem to forget. If you remember that movie Face Off, he went yes. back and forth. He's mm-hmm. a terrific actor, and he goes back and forth in this as a very somber um, lumberjack who was then um, uh, a crazy cult of hippies in 1980s mm-hmm. uh, attack his home, and he wow. gets revenge. And it's pretty, it's pretty as simple as that. But he's wonderful, and I so I strongly recommend that. What I would like to see Nicolas Cage do is when you know it's going to be a serious dramatic role, use his real name of Nicolas Coppola. And when he's going to be over-the-top, just crazy B-movie actor Elvis impersonator, stars as Nicolas Cage. All right. We're going to start a petition for that. (laughs) All right, my friend. And before I let you go, you mentioned the uh, Sisters Brothers. Yes. Joaquin Phoenix and John C. Riley. Just the casting alone for my fanboy mindset is perfect because you had Joaquin Phoenix star as Johnny Cash. Yes. And then in the spoof of the Johnny Cash film, you have John C. Riley starring as Dewey Cox. Yes. So to have, so you have the comedic version and the dramatic version blend together. Sounds phenomenal. Next week we'll talk about uh, TV since I will be reviewing this week. I feel bad on NBC. Huh? Okay. And a new animated uh, series uh, from Marvel on, uh, I believe, Disney XD and a couple of other things. So uh, we we shall see uh, how we like those things. And then, uh, oh, by the way, tomorrow I get to interview for the movie Armed, Mario Van Peebles. So, oh, yes. So Very I'm, cool. So I'll talk Very a little bit cool. about that next week. And Saturday I'm going to a screening of Robert Redford's final movie. He's retiring as an actor. It's called... Um, the old man and the gun and he's going to be at the Q&A which I can't wait um, I'm going to be a groupie and Sissy Spacek is going to be there it's going to be great fun so I'll give reviews of that too thank Fantastic. you everyone thank you don't Gary for... Morgenstein from Brooklyn yes and don't forget to buy Gary's book A Mound Over Hell thank you very yeah. much for that shameless plug I absolutely and my own shameless plug please go to Fanboy Nation and FangirlNation.com for all your entertainment news out there and be sure to check us out on Stitcher and all the other uh, um, platforms for podcasting and as well as on fanboynation.com. Take care, everyone. Terrific. Take care, everyone.